the big dream for me is to become an Ironman champion. That is 100% what I work for each and every day. Um, and it's not a case of, okay, I want to be an Ironman champion. Where can we pick? It's a case of, I want to go to a big Ironman and I want to win that race. And I feel and I believe that I do have the capabilities. I just feel like I need more time to get there. I feel I've definitely got potential to improve in all three areas of swim, bike and run. And I'm super excited to get there. And I know I won't stop until I do. That's Kim Morrison. And this is the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Electrolytes and different strengths that match how you sweat. You can get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. And we're also brought to you by TRRNutrition.com. TRR Pro Advanced Collagen is a liquid supplement that helps support your joints and bones and is used by Ironman champions Craig Alexander, Tim Don, and Sarah Svensk. You can get 15% off with the code OxygenAddict15. Hi, everybody. I hope you're good. Welcome to the show. As you've already heard, today's interview is with Kimberly Morrison, Uber biker. She's a three-time 70.3 champion. Uh, she recently finished on her first podium at the Ironman distance and qualified for Kona. So uh, she's a very interesting story, actually. Spent the first three years of her life, or a large part of it, in Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. So uh, it's not your usual triathlon story. Let's put it that way. I think you'll look forward to hearing that one. So how are you doing? How's your week been? I hope you're managing to get outside and take advantage of the breaks and the weather and have some adventures. Um, I have been having some epic adventures <laughs> since we last spoke. I managed to go out for an epic over six hour mountain bike ride this weekend, which just utterly destroyed me, um, both in terms of not quite being fit enough to do it with my friend Andy that I was riding with, but also in terms of I just kept falling off. I had three, <laughs> three little falls, we'll call them. Um, and one of them, I came to a, I came to a dead stop as we were trying to we were trying to head down um, a little gully across a little waterfall. My bike came to a dead stop and I tried to put my foot down and I fell. It was a basic nightmare. I fell down over the edge of this little lip of the waterfall. And I maybe, I maybe in reality fell about a foot, maybe a foot and a half into the, into the rocks below. It felt like about 20 at the time. So I let out some, uh, I yelped like a little schoolboy and Andy came running back for me and kind of picked me up. I was upside down like a turtle with my feet still clipped into the mountain bike. He came and pulled me out. So I'm, uh, I'm sitting here nursing various sore knees and shins and ankles and stuff so uh yeah it was a it was a pretty memorable week out i have to say pretty memorable day out really good fun so i hope you are also out there getting some good adventures in hopefully a little bit less injury prone than i am Right, right, we've got some news for you this week, sponsored by Precision Hydration. Um, Precision Hydration make targeted electrolytes that match how you sweat. So if you're a very heavy sweater or a very salty sweater like I am, you can mix in very concentrated electrolytes into your drinks. Um, they're not made with sodium chloride or table salt. They're made with um, a different kind of sodium. So you can get, give you an example, I put two of their 1500 milligram sachets into one bottle when we were riding for mountain biking in the, the sun this Sunday. So I had three grams of sodium, 3000 milligrams of sodium in one bottle. That would be the equivalent of the same amount of sodium from over 10 bottles of Gatorade to give you an idea. Um, 
So it's just a really handy way to take it. Even with two of those 1500 milligram sachets in one bottle, it didn't taste salty. It's got a really neutral flavor and it just means you can drink it and you actually stay hydrated and you're not washing out. If you just drink water, you're just washing out effectively more of the electrolytes that you need. So six hours of riding up the hills in the sun. It was a hot day, no cramps at all for me, which was fantastic. So, um, so I'm really, really loving this supplement. I highly recommend that you go and take it and you can use the code oxygenaddict 15 for 15% off your first order there. It's one of my favorite supplements to take. All right, so news and bits and bobs that I have seen from around the internet. So the first thing is um, poor old Joe Skipper has had his bike stolen off the roof of his car. Um, He was out in France. He's headed down there to do some riding on the Girard Mer course and um, had his very distinctive Quintana Roo time trial bike. It's like an electric blue color with pink writing on that matches his kit. And that was nicked off the roof bars of his car, apparently. So, Joe, I hope you have some success in getting that back. Absolutely gutted for anybody who gets the bike stolen. It's It's a horrible, horrible feeling. Other things I've seen um, over on the PTO hub, we got a great head-to-head interview there with Cam Worth and Lucy Charles. They're a really good, funny interview couple together. I've got to say they did a really good job of interviewing each other. So get over there and check that out. Cam Worth trolling Lionel Sanders is one of my favorite favorite pastimes to sit and watch as a guilty pleasure so that's good fun um get over there and check that out and literally as we went to press as i was starting to record this an email came through from british triathlon that says and i quote we are delighted that swim bike and run events and activity can resume across england so check this out here's what it actually says from today Event organisers, including clubs in England, can apply to British Triathlon for a permit and permitted events can take place from the 25th of July. So this is like a Yahoo moment, isn't it? Official good news that events can apply for permits from British Triathlon. So there's a real chance now, it's a real sense that there is going to be some racing taking place here in the UK across August and September. So fingers crossed for more on that. Like I said, I've got no more information than that, than the email that was just sent out from British Triathlon. But I think that's a really positive um, move in the right direction. And I know some of the event directors that I've been talking to have been furiously planning in the background for events to go ahead and been waiting for this kind of guidance as well. So it's there's some real positive stuff there. That's really good. And don't forget, there's plenty of virtual stuff that you can do as well in the meantime to keep yourself engaged and on it. So, um, so yeah, that's really good stuff there. That's, um, that's pretty much all the news there was. It'll be great to get to the point again, won't it, where we've actually got more actual real news and race news to talk about. Okay, Coach's Couch this week. I wanted to talk to you and encourage you to uh, you know, challenge some mental limiters. I want you to think about and go away and sit down and really think about this. What are you actually capable of that you don't think you're capable of or that you don't realize that you're capable of? I was talking with someone the other day, and that's what's led to this, who basically said to me, I would love to do an Ironman, but there's no way that I can do it. There's, I haven't got the time. I haven't got the ability. There's no way I can fit the rides in. Um, I'm not a talented enough athlete to do this. You know, that kind of idea of Ironman is only for the really talented super athletes to go and do. And so we sat down and we had a chat and very quickly sort of got to the root of this with the person saying, you know, there's some assumptions you've made here, both about yourself and about the people who do Ironman that might not be true. 
this this person is a very good standard athlete and is easily capable of completing an Ironman, but obviously doesn't think so. And also wrongly assumes that that the the entire field of Ironman events is full of complete uber athletes and that there aren't those sort of every man athletes and every woman athletes taking part. So it made me think we perhaps explore this on the podcast and say to people, what, what is there out there that's stopping you from doing this? If you're dreaming of entering an Ironman or dreaming of entering a 70.3 and you haven't got around to doing it, what's stopping you? And in fact, is there at the moment, is there a better time than now to give it a go? Because while lots of people assumed in the early days of lockdown, they would have no time. I'm speaking to more and more and more people who are actually saying, you know, I've got more time than I thought I had to do training, to be with a family. I've managed to streamline my working week. I'm not commuting at the moment. I'm not spending the hour going into London twice a day and the associated drive back from the station to the house. So actually, these people have reclaimed up to three hours a day in some cases where that time is now free to be split amongst their family, relaxing, and, and some of that's training. So I really want you to sit down and, and look with new eyes over the amount of time you've got available to you. If you're going to be working from home at the moment and you're saving the commuting time, is that an opportunity for you to think, right, actually, I could put a few more hours away during the week for training? Maybe that's the difference that gives you the confidence to enter a 70.3 or enter an Ironman distance event. Now, even I think that that goes true for people who are, are both looking at sort of preparing for the first Ironman, but also people who maybe have done a 70.3 or Ironman and have put off the idea of, you know, I'd really like to go sub five at 70.3 or I'd really like to go sub 10 at Ironman, but I don't have the time to commit to it. Maybe if you reanalyze the time that you do have right now, maybe there's a window here to put that bit more time in. And actually, that might push you over the edge of something you've assumed that wouldn't be possible for you might actually be possible because all of a sudden things are different. Lockdown isn't all bad. I've discovered this in my own life. I've really streamlined my working week. It's really freed up time to do other stuff. And I was saying to somebody the other day, you know, I said I wouldn't do another Ironman for the foreseeable because I haven't got the time. But actually, I've freed up two of my entire working days to homeschool my son so I could have freed up two whole days to do the training if I'd been forced to do it. So this section, I suppose, it's as, it's as much for me as it is for anybody else, really. Um, so really challenge that assumption. One of the big things for me is my son used to go to a club every night of the week. So, you know, between six and eight o'clock, I'd be driving somewhere, coming home, going back, picking him up, coming back again, dealing with bedtimes. Those those two hours of associated going to cubs or going to swimming club or whatever that time actually frees up time to spend with him that means there's other times in the day that are now more appropriate for training so i think the lockdown lifestyle is actually it's an easier and more stress-free life in some ways than it was before so i'm definitely going to be looking at this and reevaluating it as well um so you know have a look see what you can do if you've been thinking of doing 70.3 or Ironman and you thought you haven't got the time maybe this is a time to give it a go if you're interested in having a chat to us about coaching team oxygen addict I think is the best all-around triathlon training solution that's out there at the moment if you'd like to have a chat to me or one of the team about how we work and how we can help you there's a link in the show notes give that a click 
um, come along and give us a chat. But we've got loads of new stuff going on as well as really good training plans. We've officially partnered recently with Performance Chef, so our athletes get meal plans. And, and now we're officially partnered with them. They're offering a massive discount on their one-to-one um, personal nutrition coaching. It's so much of a massive discount. I can't tell you how much of it is on air. They'd, they'd absolutely kill me for it, but it's ridiculous. Um, we're also doing, they're also offering monthly food coaching calls to our athletes who take them up on this one-to-one food coaching. So you get to do cook-alongs over Zoom with Alan Murchison. Uh, you get to do workshops and online sort of nutrition coaching calls with them. It's literally like a money can't buy opportunity to work with him. Um, so that's part of the team and it's an extra that you can buy into. We've also partnered with Precision Hydration who are offering our members personalized hydration calls. We've partnered by Mop Bat. Uh, partnered with Matt Botterill for aerodynamics and bike fitting help to get a discount on his services. We partnered with HRV for training. So all of our training plans come with HRV guidance and how to adapt your plan on a day-to-day basis within a set of guidelines based on how you recover on a daily basis. Because if you're training hard on a day when your body isn't ready, you're not only wasting the effect of the training, you're actually damaging the effect that you're having on your body. You're making it worse rather than better. So again, if you're training without HRV guidance, it is a massive loss at the moment. So come along, give us a call, find out about all this stuff. There's too much to talk about in a minute section on the podcast. So that link's in the show notes for you. And if you want to come and have a go at training with us, Tuesdays at 7.15 p.m. on Zwift, you can take part in the Oxygenetic Triathlon Podcast Power Hour. Workouts guaranteed to raise your FTP and give you a faster, more powerful bike leg this coming season. You can train alongside my athletes and, you know, usually a hundred or so more others as well from around the world. Really get a taste of what our workouts are like. All of our workouts come written so that they seamlessly integrate and upload on a daily basis into Zwift for you. So the days of getting some sort of vague instruction on how to get a bike ride within your training plan, that is so outdated. If you're being coached by someone who's giving you that still, you are really being given the short end of the stick here. You need your workouts uploaded into Zwift. You need your power and heart rate levels on the screen in front of you as you're training so that you know you're doing it accurately because otherwise your training time is being wasted. So give us a call and find out more. Before we go to this week's interview of the week, a shout out to our sponsors, TRR Nutrition. Their Pro Advanced Collagen Supplement is a liquid collagen supplement that's aimed to help old people like me, aging athletes whose bones and joints and ankles and knees are starting to ache in the mornings. Um, So I've got to say, I've started taking this about 10 days ago. It's too early to tell you whether there's an effect or not. I feel like there is, but I'm very well aware of the uh, the placebo effect of this. It's like a liquid shot that you take. It comes in a little glass jar. You unscrew the top and have a little drink every morning. It's kind of bitter cherry flavor. And each supplement comes with 10,000 milligrams of marine collagen. It's also got stuff in like glucosamine, turmeric, ginger, vitamin C, all the stuff that science says it helps support joint, uh, joint and bone health. It was originally developed for Andy Murray, Uh, who's someone who had a lot of joint problems in his ankles, obviously. And it's endorsed by Tim Don and it's endorsed by Sarah Svensk and it's endorsed by Crowey. So I'm giving it a go. I think if you've been suffering with problems with your ankles and your joints and things like that, if you want to give this a go, it's the first supplement on the market that comes in this liquid form, as far as I know. Um, Really easy to take. 
get over there and, and give it a go. You can use the code OxygenAddict15 to get 15% off your first order. All right, here we go. This is this week's interview of the week with Kimberly Morrison. Kim Morrison, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. It's great to have you back on, actually. You, I was looking back and we had a brief interview on with you back in about episode 80, way back in the day. Um, so it's lovely to get you back on and see how you developed and hear, hear your stories from the last, really, that must be, what's that, 200 episodes ago. So it's four years back, isn't it? It must have been 2015, 16 back then. So, so welcome back. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. I can visualize exactly where I was at that time, actually. That was when we were back at our our house previous, and I was, um, yeah, set up in the garage speaking to you. So, wow, four years ago. A lot's changed. It's exciting. A lot has changed. And, I mean, even back then you had a reputation as being a strong biker, but you didn't quite have the reputation for being the terrifying biker that you do at the moment. Um, we're always, we're always seeing these reports of you absolutely decimating people on the bike. So it's going to be interesting to hear the story about how you've progressed and, uh, and the other things you've worked on in your, your triathlon armory since then. So let's kick it off. I want to ask you this. I was having a nosy over your website and one of the most recent updates via Twitter is while most people have been in a bit of a whole pattern during the, the pandemic times you've just been a nailed a sub three marathon on your own which is which is a pretty damn impressive achievement any any time of the year but you're also doing it to raise money for great ormond street hospital as well so i want to hear that story let's kick off with that yeah so when lockdown really took hold um i needed a focus i needed i needed something to bring together a lot of good news and i wanted to I wanted to inspire others. So Team Gosh, Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, obviously had all their spring events cancelled. So being a former Gosh patient, when I was just a little girl, I went through open heart surgery, a charity super close to my heart. So immediately I thought, yeah, let's let's really push and support and raise as much money as we can for the hospital, which I continually do day to day anyway, but this is a real focus and a real opportunity for friends and family to get get behind me and the plan was put in place Um, my coach David Tilbury Davis now didn't didn't wasn't frightened when I said sub three hours so that gave me the belief that I could do it and we set to work and it was a case of week after week when the run training was ticked off I said it's going to be close. And then a couple of weeks to go, I, I'm going out doing my race prep sessions thinking it's going to be close. <laughs> I did a run session and I thought, wow, it's just clicked. So to run a sub three hour marathon, you have to be ticking off four minute, 15 second Ks. And those Ks earlier that week just started clicking and feeling really quite comfortable. So I thought, it's got to feel comfortable for it to be possible. A marathon is a long way. And the day came, the support was coming in. And especially from my nutrition sponsor talk, they really got behind the idea. And we had people going out, messaging me saying they hadn't run for a while. You've inspired me. I've gone out and I've done 10K or I've gone out and I've done 5K. And we all colored the rainbow. And the rainbow meant different distances were targeted. I think people liked having that visual. And then I obviously went out and ran my 42 plus K and just came in two hours, 59 minutes and 
22 seconds. Fantastic. Well, it's a massive achievement to, to crack that sub three marathon. Um, and I know lots of people listening, that, that'll be their dream to run the sub three marathon. Talk us through the last six miles of that, because I think that's always where the interesting stories in a marathon lie, don't they? I decided that to do it all on road would be quite demanding. So I chose probably the worst place ever in the marathon to go off road. It was with about six miles to go. Oh, no. (laughs) Hilly undulating track just outside of Holcombe coming towards home, Burnham Thorpe. And wow, um, (laughs) a few days before I'd been out on the cross bike just to double check the route. And I couldn't quite believe, but they'd re-graveled. So it became really quite heavy on this off-road track in parts. And I smiled and I thought, it's okay, it adds to the challenge. But when I got there, like you say, six miles to go, I put out a 4.45 kilometre, so 30 seconds off the pace. However, I had accumulated a couple of minutes in the bank, so to speak. So I wasn't too worried. But that moment really was make or break. I could have decided that hurts way too much. The rest of my Ks are probably going to fall similar. But something inside me was like, no, like this is where you've got time to say to yourself, you have got this. And I appreciated that very soon that off-road track and that heavy shingle would be over and I'd be back on the tarmac and the Ks would hopefully start to feel a little easier they didn't feel easier, but I just felt <laughs> and home was in sight. So yeah, interesting you ask about six miles to go because I did not make it easy for myself. No. I did I did my one and only sub three at London and had four minutes in the bank at halfway. Um and remember getting to the twenty mile point and was starting to really eat into that sort of you know, eat into that little buffer that I had. And I remember running along the embankment mostly with my eyes closed, like having to look forwards and thinking, right, there's nobody there. I'd close my eyes for five or six steps at a time to just try and will myself forwards. And I, I had the same experience as you. About 22 miles I put in a – I was working in miles and I was meant to be running 650s and ended up running a 750 for that 22nd or 23rd mile. So a whole minute had gone and I was thinking – if I lose a minute a mile for the next five, it's over. I'm going to run 302. And I really pulled myself together and felt like I was running really well. And at that point got passed by a guy dressed as Santa. (laughs) I was like, I can't believe I'm in the more pain I've ever been in in my life trying to will this body to get to the line in under three hours and Santa Claus comes right by. Luckily for me, he broke the world record for the guy running as Santa. So there was a, there was a little bit of like, Oh, okay. He wasn't just some Santa coming by. Um, but yeah, those last few miles, it's a real, it's a real mental battle, isn't it? When, when your mind, I don't know if you had this, but your mind kind of says it'd be okay. Like just finishing a marathon is a really good achievement. 302, 303 is still really good. And you really have to kind of overcome that voice in your head, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> it's funny, at least you were overtaken by record breakers of Santa, but I am, um, I raced London, well, I say raced, I ran the London Marathon when I was 18 years old, and that was purely to get to the finish line. You've got to be 18 to run it. Um, I think I applied when I was 17, but would have been 18 race day. And I crossed the line in, gosh, four hours, 23 minutes. 
And I can hand on heart say that hurt way more <laughs> being <laughs> I was in the preparation I didn't know about and didn't do um, than, than this one most recently. And I did reflect back and I did think, wow, like, yeah, okay, that was a fair few years ago, but gosh, what a difference a bit of um, focus can make and a bit of heart and, and ambition uh, with where you want to go. It, yeah, it was a nice reflection that to reflect back on the London Marathon. Do you do you think that having applied yourself to like a almost like a pure running block, do you feel that that's going to help you out going forwards in your Ironman career? Because you've always been you've always been incredibly strong swim biker, and your run's been improving. And to sort of put a you know a, a sub three hour marathon on the board is a real that's a real gold standard runtime, isn't it? How are you feeling confidence wise about your run going forwards into? Well, I was going to say into 2020, but whenever races start up again. Yeah, I think from doing that marathon and the training and the preparation that went into it, I think we've learned a lot about me and what can enable me to operate at that sort of intensity. Um, it's going to be a completely different story when we're trying to run off the bike. Um, it will be interesting to see how that develops. It's uh, going to be a different type of training, but we didn't neglect the bike. Um, it's still very much triathlon, so we didn't neglect the bike, but for sure we put focus on the run. I think the most important point to take forward from it is just the confidence to know I can run and it's not a case of, oh, never mind, we'll catch Kim on the run. I, you know, I just want to put the confidence in myself that I can run. Yeah, and I mean you've absolutely proved that on on several occasions. I think I was looking back over your results from this year, and let me check my notes. Where was it where you you had a battle with Kristen Leopold for second, and you battled in like the final few kilometres? Was that Talon? Yes, that was Talon, and that was when I was racing my heart out to get my Kona slot, and she ran. She's a phenomenal runner. I she mean, really she really is, isn't she? Yeah. Challenge is the best in the business, um, in our sport. So, yes, it was. It was super close, two hundred meters to go. But if you compare our run splits, she ran nearly half an hour faster than me. But wow! Then you, I, I swam and cycled almost half an hour faster than her. So it, yeah. it, it's of the three. Um, Leopold, uh, fortunately, had already qualified for Kona. That doesn't mean to say I didn't put in the extra effort, but it just meant that her knocking me down to third, I still got my Kona slot. Yeah. And so your races last year, then you had, you had Ironman Texas, where again, you have a blazing fast bike split. You just missed out on the Kona slot at Texas. You then had Frankfurt. Now, do I remember rightly, did you puncture at Frankfurt while you were in second? Yeah, I punctured at Frankfurt live on the live stream which was oh, devastating heartbreak. none of my family were out there so I knew they'd be watching at home so that was a um an emotional moment and I was unable to fix the puncture using the sealant that I had in the back of my um little pocket on the bike so you learn from those yeah it, um, Frankfurt was a massive focus so it was very disappointing but you learn from those and Riding tubeless from now on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
So I want to ask you a little bit more about sort of your childhood. You said you spent the first couple of years of your life in Great Ormond Street with with heart problems. Tell us a bit about the story of that, because that's that's a pretty amazing success story for them and for you. But in terms of like their little narrative, a baby who's spent the first couple of years in Great Ormond Street, who goes on to become multiple 70.3 champion, it's pretty amazing pretty amazing physical comeback what what happened to you when you were born then so when I was a little girl I was getting smaller rather than bigger so they knew something wasn't quite right but what that was they weren't sure but I was diagnosed at the age of two and a half with a hole in my heart um it's, it's quite common I mean babies are born with the hole in the heart and it all seals up nicely however mine was left with a hole so that needed fixing and being in the hands of doctors at Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital the operation was a huge huge success and I I was home and then I was growing up and I was absolutely loving and excelling in the sport in sport from a young age um we have been back to visit the hospital um many times especially from a child up to 18 years old to have testing done regularly there is still a small hole in the bottom chamber but it's not something that affects me physically when I'm out swimming biking running I think the only concern would be if I was to go scuba diving and breathe the compressurized air that could be potentially fatal so physically my heart is working as happy as it as it could be Mm. Do you or what do you remember from that time from being so young from being under two and a half have you got any conscious memories of of back then? I struggle to know if they're conscious memories or reminders from my mother's diary because when I go into schools they kindly invite me in to share my story I relay my mother's diary from that time and having read it a few times to people and people coming and having a chat with me afterwards and 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 feeling their warmth towards me sharing the story makes me feel like I do have some strong memories, but then I'm not sure if that's me reading the diary or whether they actually are memories. I've, obviously, I was very, very young, so I I get a sense of, of, of what was going on, but whether I remember, I, I couldn't be sure. Yeah, okay. And do you think that that experience affected you on a, a subconscious level maybe, or even a conscious level in terms of the amount you enjoy physical activity having been in hospital so much as a young kid or or a drive to succeed oh a hundred percent a drive to succeed but more more just a drive to do what you absolutely love every day um that's always been my driver I've always um thrown myself into things I absolutely love um and there, there was a big big change from leaving school and going into the Loughborough University's biggest sporting university or you know the sporting university of excellence um to pursue field hockey which I absolutely loved and then I um took my mathematics degree into the world of banking in London which I absolutely loved and then when triathlon was introduced to me and I started to enjoy it more and more I I then threw into that so it's always been a case of perhaps not the physical exertion but just throwing myself into things I absolutely love Okay. And how hard was it to step away from a career in banking? Obviously, you know, you're a very intelligent person. You've got a degree in maths and you had a job in the city. What was the decision like to to kind of leave or take a break from that to go into 
full-time sports? Super easy. (laughs) (laughs) When the opportunity arises, wow, like super easy. I had the support from the bank to take a four-year career break to give the triathlon um, ambition a really good go. And I had the support at home as well. That's super important. The support at home enabled me to take that career break. Oh, sorry. I think the I think the signal just dropped out there for a second. Never mind. We'll keep on rolling. Um, so, where are you in that four year cycle now? How far through it has that ended, and and you're now officially a professional athlete full time, or are you still within that four year? Wow, no, that has ended, and I'm not back at the bank. So, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, I um I really enjoy the life we've set up now in Norfolk. Um I love I love this lifestyle. This lifestyle's beautiful. And also working alongside the or working with the family run business, Wentz and Pauls. So that's they're my focuses now, the family being at home and the family run business and of course my career as a triathlete. Yeah, absolutely. Well let me ask you about these about the jacuzzis then, because you've got jacuzzi written in big letters in the middle of your, your sponsor's t shirt there. And on your Instagram and your Twitter feed, it's constantly telling me the benefits I would have if I had a jacuzzi in my back garden. And I've got to be honest, Kim, it's not going to take a lot of selling to, to convince me that I need to get in a jacuzzi, whether there's recovery benefits or not. So is that the family business that sponsors you then? So the family business is Wentz and Pools. We are a supplier of jacuzzi hot tubs. Jacuzzi is okay. a massive brand. I think they really took on the concept of a jacuzzi bath and, and the brand was born. Um, so they are a brand of hot tub that we supply. So Jacuzzi are a headline sponsor of mine. So to do what I do day to day, I have Jacuzzi to thank for absolutely everything. And it's not just the relaxation of a Jacuzzi hot tub. Like it's given me such a great opportunity to get Kona ready and to get Texas ready with the heat you can generate. So you can pop that up to 40 degrees, sit in there for 40 minutes after a hard bike run session and the adaptation of your body trying to recover under the stress of heat really really has helped me I feel in heat adaptation training so it it's a nice tool it's it's a beautiful it's yeah I'd never considered using it in that way actually I didn't realize that they could be heated up as hot as that 40 degrees sounds like it's almost hot enough to cook eggs in so I'd imagine it does add a significant heat stress to your day as well it does yeah but to prep for a super hot race, it has worked, we feel, really quite well. Nice, yeah. All right, so let's talk a bit about your experience at Kona last year then. You managed to get yourself to Kona after, you know, you'd, you'd had the race at um, Texas and then you'd had the flat at uh, Frankfurt and then you got the third place to finally get that slot nailed in Estonia. How was your race out in Kona? My race out in Kona was... Not what I went out there for. Okay. I didn't. I didn't want to not swim with the main front pack. I didn't want to not cycle my way up the pack. And there's a lot of things that I feel I I was disappointed in with the race. However, I went there super excited, super proud to have got onto the start line. I mean, 
when I first took up triathlon, it was reading Chrissy Wellington's book, A Life Without Limits. So I, from her book, I know, or her experiences in Kona, and it's excited me ever since. So getting there was just magical for me and the experience and just being with all my friends from triathlon was super exciting. But yeah, like I say, the race for me, I put it down to one race too many that year. Um, I was, I was hunting for Kona and I, I won't, I won't do that in the future. I will just race to be the best I can be that day. Um, I got into a cycle last year of just hunting for Kona and that's all that I felt like I wanted. So I think now I've just got to realize you've got to be your best on that day for each race and take it as it comes. Cause there was an element of, okay, I got there and then, you know, not executing the race I potentially could have, could have shown had I not raced so much that year. So yeah, mixed emotions. It's, it's hard, isn't it? When you have to race so often to get the slot to get there, when if you get there, you're either mentally or physically or emotionally tired or all three, I suppose it must be hard to to kind of rationalize the experience afterwards. Like you've clearly done and said, you know what? It was a great experience. I loved being there with my friends. I didn't have the race I wanted, but you'll take that experience forward into future years and kind of know what to expect when you get out there. Was there anything that surprised you in the race out at Kona? I was going to say that it wasn't that hot, but come race day, it was very hot. Right. Okay. <laughs> When I first arrived, I um I was in my jacket and there was downpours and yeah, it felt kind of chilly. And I thought, wow, what, what what's everyone <laughs> talking about? Uh, yeah, it, it soon heated up. Um, was there anything that? Um, I mean, my brother came over from Tokyo uh, to come and watch as well. That was like just seeing him there and just having his beaming face out on the course. That was um that was something really quite special too. I think the nature of the run course shocked me. People have told me what it's like, but it shocked me in the fact that you are literally just running up that highway. Um, super isolated. I mean, the only people you have for company are the people passing you in my case, unfortunately, or the aid stations. Um, yeah, there's just, there's nothing much more out there. I mean, I had the excitement of Jan Frodeno running the other way, Annie Haug, and and I, you know, I felt that that was cool. But other than that, you are just going out along a highway, and you are super hot and super tired. And wow, yeah, that that requires some serious focus and training, I think. And how was your experience of the bike course out there? Because obviously, you, you're kind of known for being a, an Uber biker. Was it was it what you expected? Were the weather conditions what you expected? Yeah, I um I erred on the side of caution. I used the slimmer front wheel just so the handling felt okay. Um, I'm kind of experienced with the strong winds because I've done a lot of training in Lanzarote and here in North Norfolk. We're super windy along the coast. Um, the wind, I don't think it was one of their windiest corners, so that didn't seem a problem. Yes, it was hot, but I had techniques to cool myself and that I felt like that worked well. I believe I chose the wrong gearing. I was riding with a very large front ring and I don't feel I had enough gears for those hills. I mean, I appreciated it was rolling. I didn't quite appreciate what some of those sort of 
hills would feel like with that chain ring on. So I'm now riding the SRAM axis. I think that's a much more suitable setup for Kona. Okay. What, um, what size ring did you have on on the front for that? 58. Okay. And it just... So I don't know where to go. Right. Okay. Was it useful on the way back down from Harvey? Did you feel as though that would have been kind of hard to have the right gearing for both directions, I suppose, isn't it? Yes, it was. And I um, I didn't spin out. So that was one thing I was worried about. Um, so, yes, it was useful for that section, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the PTO. Um, the PTO have managed to help set the interview up. So I've been really interested to hear the experiences of athletes. Um, obviously, coronavirus pandemic hits. Everyone was looking forward to seeing the racing happening out at the Collins Cup. Honestly, I was expecting it to just get delayed by another year. And the announcement that they were just going to pay all the pros was you know, pretty mind-blowing, really. And it's not something that affects age groups, but it's always interesting to find out as a pro athlete who relies largely on prize money for their living, obviously, if there's no races going on, you're in an unprecedented time in already unprecedented times. So how's the pro the, the thought with the PTO helped you pros out during this time? So when the initial announcement came and we all became aware that racing wouldn't happen, I think it was a case of, okay, wow, um, who's going to reach out and maybe give me a sort of, not a lifeline, but maybe just a bit of conversation around what things are going to now look like. And the PTO were one of the first people in in my world of triathlon and the support I receive um, to reach out and explain the situation and explain, okay, we don't know what's happening in the future, but this is what may happen. And these are the steps we may or may not take. And just to have that voice and that communication and that, that level of support really, really helped me have an awareness of, okay, nobody knows what's going on, but we have their support. Wow. Thank you. And thank you for communicating and thank you for reaching out. And they've been excellent at their communication throughout these whole 12 weeks where we haven't had a race to race. So for me, it's definitely the PTO's communication that has been first class. Yeah, cool. And and did they literally just contact everyone and say, we're just going to send you guys a check? Don't worry. Here's the prize money from this year getting divided up. It was a case of this is how the prize pool works with the PTO. This is how the ranking system works. And these are the financial benefits for your finishing position. So we were just paid our finishing position early. Nice little end of season bonus, getting paid early, hey? Yeah. But then, like I say, it's really the communication from the PTO that I feel has really stood out and really helped me. Um, just knowing where we are and knowing that someone's someone's working on it for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you excited for the future of triathlon to see where they'll where they'll take it? Because they've got a very big vision in terms of, you know, the golf world tour, the tennis world tour. If they can do that for triathlon as well, that could potentially be, well, a complete game changer, couldn't it? Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to, if the opportunity comes to race in Daytona in December, I'm really looking forward to us all getting together and all having that face-to-face conversation and getting a real understanding of where the PTO is taking triathlon and what that is going to look like 
not just for the athletes, but for everyone moving forward. So I really do hope this Daytona race can take place still this year. We live in hope and yeah, get a little bit more clarity around that. Let's talk a little bit about coaching and how important coaching has been to your sort of progression of your career so far. You mentioned earlier on, I know you were originally working with Mark Pierce and you've recently changed to be working with David Tilbury Davis. How important has coaching been to you in your progression, do you think? Massively. So my first coach was Perry Agas um, when he was working for Team Dylan, And we worked together and he took me right up to European Age Group champion in Kitzbühel in 2014. And we had great fun together. And it was my first experience of a coach relationship. Great, great guy. Absolutely loved our relationship. And then when I started racing professionally um mark pierce from intelligent triathlon training was i felt like he was the perfect fit because he was starting out in the world of ironman racing he previously was supporting the women's team for the 2012 olympics on the shorter distance and he yeah he excited me because i thought wow what a wealth of knowledge this guy has So we kind of went on a journey together, experiencing and learning about the world of longer course racing. And Mark and I were working together for a good number of years, four or five years. And it was only just last year where I felt like I wanted to progress in a new way. Hence taking the change again to David Tilby Davis. But I would stress, I do think it's super important to give a athlete coach relationship time. Because the more time I spent with Mark, the stronger we got. It was great. It wasn't a case of, okay, I've decided today it's not right. It was it was a good long-term relationship. But now having a new set of eyes look at me, it feels exciting. And I feel refreshed. And I feel change. Every, every day now is, is, is slightly different. And it's refreshing and it's motivating. Bit of, bit of reinvigoration in there, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now let's talk about aerodynamics, because there's something that stands out about you in any photograph I've ever seen of you. I know you've done some work with Drag to Zero. You've got sponsorship on your kit. You look like the fastest bike position of any of the pro women. Um, You look like the classic Matt Bottrell Uber time trialer position on the bike. And it looks like you go really, really fast given whatever power you put out. So how much work have you done sort of either with drag to zero or in the wind tunnel to work on that position? When I first started riding the Scott Plasma two to three years ago, we got into the drag to zero wind tunnel and we set a position which the numbers read aero and I felt comfortable-ish. And I cracked on and I stayed in that position for a couple of years and I rode it and I got used to it. My body got used to it. And then when the new plasma arrived earlier this year, my coach, David Tibble Davis, and I went to drag to zero and we did some more testing. But this time it was way more scientific. We had we had the tunnel set up and we had a position already, which we tested. And then we had a had a little time to experiment with the different positions of the handlebars. Um, and something that I rode before was that sort of flat position where your arms are flat straight out in front. We've actually now brought my hands up towards my face and then my neck sinks down and sort of sits 
just below and behind the hands and this is actually a much comfier position and it's much easier on the wrists you can almost get yourself set and just stay there so I feel the control of the bike also in that position is a lot is a, it feels a lot more stable we also had David taking some blood samples so we were looking at what lactate was doing as I was changing positions and from crunching all of those numbers we then came to our best case position in regards to lactates aerodynamics and how I felt as a rider on the bike went away and I've just been set riding in that position ever since and it feels faster it feels comfier and I'm not getting the lower back issues I used to get from putting so much pressure through the pedals for example a hundred mile time trial um so I think we're in a stronger position, a more aerodynamic position and in a more efficient position to start cracking on with the run afterwards. So we spend a lot of time in the tunnel and I'm so grateful for Drag to Zero to give me that investment. But then it's the case of going home and riding and drilling and dialing in that position and not looking at the floor. <laughs> yeah. So that's well worth, I think it's well worth spending a bit of time talking about it takes time to adapt to an aerodynamic position, doesn't it? And something, firstly, that looks great and feels great for two minutes in the tunnel isn't going to be rideable in for a great period of time outdoors necessarily. And you need to do some practice and you need to do some drills to practice holding that position. What are some of the drills that you do to help develop the ability to hold that position? There's some work we do in the gym um, that helps with the neck because it's so important to be able to sink that neck down. Um, I mean, getting your head out of the way is is worth way more than anything you can purchase to put on the bike to make it faster. Um, so we work on a bit of strength there. Um, Drills-wise, there's no specific drill we use. We just crack on, and I spend 90% of my time outdoors on the time trial bike in race position. So it's just time. It's time. It's like when you're running time on your feet, when you're trying to dial in mm. that time 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 and keep them working on it yeah now one thing i noticed on your website as well as having a list of sponsors from the industry as it were you've also got individual people and couples named as sponsors is that right have you got like individual people who sponsor you yeah it's so wonderful so I have family and friends support back home um, here in Norfolk and they absolutely love following, finding out how races have gone, what training camps are going on, what I'm doing, where I'm next. And it's just lovely. And they just like to give a little bit of financial support and it just helps so much, especially with the um, the cost of, of the sport and how much traveling we do. So yeah, I have a really sweet, nice, um, warming support at home oh that's fantastic all right so what's the big dream for you looking forward obviously i think we have to kind of put a pin in this year and, and hopefully you get to race in daytona going forward into the next season what kind of races have you targeted and where will it take you to the big dream for me is to become an ironman champion that is a hundred percent what i work for each and every day um and it's not a case of, okay, I want to be an Ironman champion. Where can we pick? It's a case of, I want to go to a 
big Ironman and I want to win that race. And I feel and I believe that I do have the capabilities. I just feel like I need more time to get there. I feel I've definitely got potential to improve in all three areas of swim, bike and run. And I'm super excited to get there. And I know I won't stop until I do. That's awesome. Hey, well, listen, that seems like a pretty decent place to leave the interview, Kim. Thanks very much for your time. Um, Where can people go to find out more about you and follow you on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Triathlon Kim on Twitter, Kim More Reasons on Instagram and my website, www.kimberlymorrison.co.uk. All right, fantastic. Well, listen, thanks very much for your time and best of luck in the coming year. And we'll be following your results with great interest. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. All right, there we go. There's interview with Kim in the can. What do you think of that then? I think it's a pretty amazing story, really, to have come from spending the first few years of your life in Great Ormond Street Hospital to being a multiple 70.3 champion. Um, and it's great that she does so much still for raising money for that charity. That's brilliant. I really, really love that. And it sounds like with her personal sponsors and the, the like individual names that she's got on her website that sponsor her there's a real family and friends feel behind what she does which is quite unusual and really nice i really liked that um yeah so get over and check all her social media out she's got some great posts on you know facebook twitter instagram like i was saying before she is a really good aerodynamic position to have a look at if you're someone who's doing their own sort of bike fit stuff at home and tinkering with the position you can do a lot worse than looking at kim morrison and trying to replicate some of the positions that she's got her body into all right guys one of the things she mentioned after we finished recording actually i want to share this with you she said the next little challenge that she's going to do with herself is um she's already I think we alluded to this in the interview. She's already ridden 344 for a 100-mile time trial. Her next little personal challenge is going to be to see if she can crack four hours on her own in training for the full 112-mile bike ride of an Ironman. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be something pretty special, wouldn't it? So she said she's going she's gonna to drop me a line if she's successful with that, if she actually gets around to doing it. So watch this space. We'll keep you updated. Pretty much brings us to the end of the show. Here are some discount codes and deals for you to end with. At Precision Hydration, you can use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off your first electrolyte order. TRRNutrition.com, you can use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off your first order of their Pro Advanced Collagen Supplement. TeamOxygenAddict.com for all your triathlon coaching needs. And remember, there's links in the show notes for all of these sponsors so you don't have to remember them. Until next week, have a great safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. See ya. See ya.